Our theme this year is roots. We're talking about uh, the roots of our faith, getting back to the roots of our faith, the beginnings of it, making sure that we uh, are connected with where we come from and uh, what it is we're supposed to be as followers of Jesus. We're talking about the Sermon on the Mount, going through that and, and looking at topics that Jesus talks about. And we've come to this, this uh, we come to Matthew chapter 6, and we hit this topic that a lot of people want to skip over, a lot of people don't want to talk about, uh, a lot of pastors don't want to talk about, a lot of people in the, in the church don't want to talk about. But it's something that we need to talk about. And we talk, uh, the the topic is giving, and we've been on this for a couple weeks now, and we're going to be on it for a couple more weeks, but I want to tell you this as well, especially those of you who are newer to new life, uh, money is not our focus here at this church. We are not focused on what you give and how much you give. That's not, uh, that's not where I come at from. That's not where I come from at this topic. I'm not here to guilt you into anything that has to do with your finances in the church. I'm not here to beg for your money. I'm not here to try to convince you or sway you to come over to my way of thinking. What I am wanting to do is cover the topic that Jesus covered, because as we've seen in this series, over 2,300 verses in the Bible talk about money in some way, shape, or form, and how it deals with us and how it relates to us and our lives as followers of Jesus. So it's a big deal. The way we handle our money, um, the way we view our finances and our responsibility to the kingdom of God and to the local church is a big deal. I am very much a local church man. Uh, There are different ways of going at, um, looking at the church and looking at the kingdom of God and the ministry of Jesus Christ in this world today. I am local church. I believe that Jesus established the church, and I believe that he, the, the process through which he meets the needs of his people and reaches his people and reaches the world is through the local church. So I believe that's the main focus and the main lens that we need to look at everything through as far as our service to God goes. That includes our finances. And money is an issue for Christians. There's no doubt about it. Money is an issue for Christians. It always has been and it always will be. You know, I understand because I've been pastoring for a while now and I grew up in a pastor's home. So I know that it is a difficult topic for people to talk about. Some people just stay away from church when this topic is preached on if they know that the the series is coming up. And I get that. I understand that it's a, it's a very touchy subject. It's a very difficult subject. Some people don't want you, don't want me getting into their lives about it. And that's not at all what I'm trying to do. What I want to do is look at what the Bible has to say about our relationship with money. Because if we're going to be functional as followers of Jesus in every aspect of our lives. That includes a pretty big point in our lives, and that's our finances. It's a pretty big deal. So it's important that we at least have a biblical understanding of us, our finances, and our responsibility to the kingdom of God. Many people 
won't entertain a biblical perspective about finances and money because giving their minds up, when it comes to giving, their minds are made up and stubbornly many people are stuck where they want to be. This is, this is what I'm giving you, God, this is the part of my life that I'm giving to you. Leave the rest of it alone. I can take care of myself. I can handle it myself. Once again, I understand that. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand it. See, sometimes when it comes to topics like this, and, and nowadays topics like morality and topics like uh, the role of the church in society, many Christians become instant Bible scholars. Uh, they read something on the internet that they like. They search until they find something that matches up with what they want to believe. And that's where they take a stand. And listen, I'm all about study. I'm all about reading. I'm all about uh, digging into what other people have to say. As I said last week, I listen to podcasts and I listen to Bible studies from other pastors. And I read a lot of other people's writings because I want to educate myself as well. But I do so with a discerning mind and a discerning spirit. And if what I'm hearing or what I'm reading doesn't match up with what the Bible teaches, then I throw that out. That's what this is about. Trying to find out what the Bible truly has to say about the topic. I believe, honestly, that if we as followers of Jesus would open up our minds, hearts, and spirits to hear the true biblical teaching about our finances and about the, how, how the ministry of the local church is to be funded, there would be no problem paying the bills. There would be no problem uh, taking care of the things that need to be taken care of. We wouldn't cringe when leadership mentions needs. We wouldn't turn our noses up when the chance to share in the financial success of the church is mentioned and we wouldn't get offended when the pastor's salary is discussed in a business meeting or anywhere else. I think it's fair to say that money is the most sensitive and divisive issue of the life of faith. If you don't believe me, just ask yourself how you're feeling right now about this topic. Rather than shy away from it or apologize for it, and especially in lieu of watering down the biblical narrative of you, your money, and your church, I want to continue to dive in to the biblical teaching on your finances without fear or apology. Now, I'm not here to offend you. I'm not here to guilt you, but I'm also not here to apologize for what the Bible has to say. Okay, so let's, let's make that clear. I, may, I, I was very clear last week in what my wife and I do to support this church. I, I don't like talking about that because it's not anybody's business. Um, just like it's not my business, your personal finances and what you make, um, the, the commitment you make with God to support this church, but it's important that, I believe it's important that I as the leader be transparent. As the pastor, it's important that I be transparent about my view and my vision and what my wife and I decide together to do for our church, to help out the ministry of our church. I would be a hypocrite if I got up here and preached about the need to surrender your control of your finances and, and surrender your uh, your thoughts about what the kingdom of God talks about with you and your finances and then not follow through with it on myself and be open about that. So like I said, 
I'm not here to guilt you, but I'm not also not here to apologize for what the Bible teaches. Because it is a big deal. It really is a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a sensitive topic. And most importantly, I believe it's important that we get it right. There's a lot of people that will talk about their money. There's a lot of preachers out there, a lot of people on TV, and they'll say, send us your seed money, right? You just make an offering and, and you watch, God will... I heard one, one preacher a couple months ago, uh, God's got a new house for you. God's got a new car. Listen, man, do, you, do we not realize, are we not at the point in our lives where we understand that those are temporary earthly blessings? The house you live in, quite honestly, for most of us in the next generation, somebody else is going to be living there. The car you drive right now, oh, you might want to hang on to it for a while because it's pretty expensive to buy a new one, but... Um, for most of us, the car we drive right now, in a few years, somebody else is going to be driving it. Probably some high school kid that just got their license and going to wreck it into a tree in your backyard. I don't know. But these are temporary, temporary blessings that they're talking about, and they're trying to get you to say, oh, really what that type of person is trying to do is just get you to send them money so they can have money. When a pastor gets on TV and says, we need to raise $50 million so I can buy a new jet. And does so without apology, does so with a straight face, and means what he says. Listen, man, that guy doesn't get it. Doesn't get it. Okay, he just doesn't understand what the Bible teaches about us, our finances, and the kingdom of God. It is a big deal. So we're going to talk about it. Last week we started, let me just review a little bit of that. Last week I told you this, kingdom giving, that's what we're calling it, kingdom giving is instigated. There must be a reason that you give. It must be on your radar if you truly want to call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. Kingdom giving is instigated. There's a reason why. Last week I tried to lay that out for you. I laid out what our community is like spiritually, correct? Those of you who were here, you remember those statistics I gave you to talk about where our community is, spiritually speaking, we are the, the, we are the most post-Christian metropolitan area in the country. More people have moved away from God in their lives in the Springfield, Holyoke metro area than anywhere else in the country, statistically speaking. We are the least evangelized metropolitan area in the entire country. That's, those, those are statistic, statistic, Statistical facts about our area. I shared with you a whole bunch of statistics about Bible reading, the fact that people in our area don't read their Bible. In fact, almost 9 out of 10 don't read their Bible on a weekly basis. People don't pray in our area. People don't consider faith important in their lives. That was all an attempt to instigate a reason for you to at least consider how you can support financially the kingdom of God. It goes beyond that now. Don't think it's just all about your money. It goes beyond that. Our associate pastor has a team that is here on Sunday nights, and they meet with, they, they get together with teenagers, right? They have their teenagers here, and, and uh, many of you, your teens are here for those meetings, and, and they invest their time into the lives of your teenagers. We have children's ministry going on. And in just a week or two, we're going to split that class up. Summer's over, so we're going to have two different Sunday school classes. 
so that they can be more age appropriate and your little ones can be taught lessons on their level and the older ones can be taught lessons on their level. So there's many different ways to open up your life and to give and to surrender and to invest. But we can't ignore this area. And I, I hope that last week you came to an understanding that there at least is a reason for you to give. There's at least a reason for you to give. St- gave you this quote from Selman Hughes. Remember this, you can't serve God and money, but you can serve God with money. Can't serve God and money, but you can serve God with money. Rick Warren said self-worth and net worth are not the same thing. And deeper into that quote is just this question, where do you find your worth? Where do you find your validation as a human being? Where do you find your validation as a follower of Jesus Christ? Listen, if you feel validated as a follower of Jesus because you give a whole lot of money in the offering plate, I would challenge your feeling of validation. You know, we, we went and we looked at some teachings in the scripture about some stories, right? About people who came down and they had uh, an entourage in front of them that was sounding, sounding music and singing and doing all this so that they could drop their bags of money. And Jesus said, no, 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 that's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. We find our validation as a follower of Jesus in the relationship that we have with him. It's a heart thing. A heart thing, a spirit thing, a mind thing. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not think it robbery to be equal with God. Finding himself in the form of a servant, he became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. See, that's what Jesus wants from us. I, I humbly submit to you, as they say, that if your mind, if Jesus has your mind and he has your heart, you're not going to worry too much about your wallet. He's going to have that too. And you're going to know and understand that it's all part of the same life. There's got to be something that ignites your interest, your passion and desire to invest in God's kingdom through your local church. Now, when you find that reason, you have your moment of instigation. And I hope last week that you did did ignite at least your thinking about this topic. That moves us to the second area of kingdom giving and and how we go about determining to give, and it's this. Kingdom giving is motivated. Kingdom giving is motivated. What does that mean? Quite simply, quite frankly, it means this. You need to have a purpose for your giving, a motivation. Once you have a reason, knowing that that part of your part of your responsibility, part of the the duty of a Christian, part of the the privilege, I believe, the privilege of being a follower of Jesus is that there is a need that you can fill, and that's the instigation for giving. But now you need to have a motivation. And what is your motivation? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19 say this, Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. 
Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasures for them as a, a good foundation for the coming age. Listen to this last part. So that they may take hold of what is truly life. So that they may take hold of what is truly life. See, so many people today, including many Christians, think life revolves around their bank account. Life revolves about how much money they make per hour or what their salary is per week. And they find their value in their finances. Jesus says to us, don't make money your priority. Listen, I'm not, gonna, I'm not naive and I'm not going to, to try to be naive and try to gloss over the fact that we need money. We've talked about this for a couple weeks now. Money is important in our lives. We need, especially in American society, we need money to get by. There's no doubt about it. And once again, like I said last week, God has nothing against you being rich. God has nothing against you having nice things. God has nothing against you having a new car. He's got nothing against that. You will not find teaching in the Bible that says you have to drive, you know, the, you have to drive a, a 1967 Volkswagen Bug, my first car. Uh, nothing that says you have to drive an old, old clunker that is breaking down every other week to prove your love for Jesus. It's not what he says. But what he says is, I need you to have the focus proper in your life about everything. And especially about your money. Why? Because money can become your God. Because money can become the consuming passion of your life. The passion that you will consistently and constantly chase all your life because you'll never have enough of it. Paul is telling Timothy here, tell people to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous with the blessings that God has given to you. Be willing to share. So that you can take hold of what life is truly about. See, that's what it comes down to. Being willing to examine every part of your life. Some of us have those areas of our life and our hearts where the door is closed to God, right? In Revelation, we... Read the verse in Revelation 3 where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If, any will, if anyone will hear me, hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and we will dine together and we will have fellowship. Some of us, we have doors in our, in our hearts that are closed and we're not going to open those doors to Jesus. And for some of us, it's the door of finances because we're afraid. We're afraid of what he's going to ask of us. We're afraid that we can't live on less than what we bring in. We're afraid. Let me break it down because I, I could try to explain it. and I could try to dance around it, but let me break it down. What it boils down, boils down to is this. We're afraid to trust God. Oh, we'll trust God with our eternal soul. If, those, if you're here this morning, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you are, you are confident that because you've asked Jesus to come into your heart and save you, that you are going to spend eternity in heaven with Him, 
you have confidence and faith in him that his work on the cross was enough and that you're accepting him and that work of the cross to make the payment for your sins is enough for him to give you the gift of eternal life. You're willing to trust him with your eternal soul, but you're not willing to trust him with a portion of your income. It's scary. I get it. I get it. Especially in these times. You might, you might think, what in the world is this pastor of a small church in East Long Meadow, Massachusetts, preaching on money for in these financial times? Well, I'll get to that. Okay? I'll get to that. So this boils down to a topic of trust. How much are you willing to trust God? How much are you willing to trust what he says? How much are you willing to trust his promises? Are you willing to trust him with every part of your life? You need a reason to invest part of your treasure in a cause, a cause that is bigger than you. So that's what we're talking about. You're not, listen, I'm not talking about you giving so that I can collect the salary. I'm not talking about you giving so that we can have a building. I made it very clear about how I feel about our building. I, I, our building's an old building, but I would not go into a brand new building program right now willingly. You could bring me along kicking and screaming, I guess. But I have no desire, man, no desire. I'd rather fix up what we have because you have no idea what it's like to take a church through a building program and how that splits people up and how you lose people. And as you're trying to move forward, you're leaving people in the dust. I don't want that, man. I, let's just keep what we have and fix it up and work on it and meet together and be thankful that God has given us a place that we can call home as New Life Church. So it's not about bigger and better. It's not, not what it's about. And as we continue to grow and see more people come out, listen, we, during COVID, we had two services. I had no problem going to two services, three services, four services, whatever it takes. So that's fine, man. That's fine. So it's not about that. So it's not about so we can have nicer things. I hope you understand that the passion of my heart as this pastor is your spiritual growth after my family, by the way, my family is number one for me. So my family is what it's all about, okay, for me. I'm about making sure my family is strong and solid. And then it's this church, making sure that people at least have something spiritually to eat so that, so that you can be fed spiritually. What you do with that doesn't matter. Last night, made uh, sloppy joes, right, Michael? Dinner was sloppy joes and mac and cheese. Sloppy, that's right, Eric. Sloppy joes and mac and cheese. Eric, we, we, and we buy the big rolls in our house. We don't buy the little tiny hamburger. We get the big rolls, right? I mean, that's what Jesus says. Get, you know, get the big rolls, right? It's all about the big rolls. Eric ate two of them. He had two with some mac and cheese. Michael, on the other hand, Michael, wave your hand in the air like nothing matters. There you go. Michael, Michael is not a fan of the manwich. A sandwich is a sandwich, but a man which is a meal. Right? Remember that? Those of you old enough to remember that? <laughs> Michael's not a fan of the man which. So Michael had a big plate full of mac and cheese because Michael is a fan of macaroni and cheese. Okay? Loves it. Loves mac and cheese. 
I could make homemade mac and cheese with gourmet cheese and all that kind of stuff. Michael wouldn't want, Michael wants the craft mac and cheese out of the box with the cheese in the packet that you squeeze out that was made by some guy in Wisconsin out of things we don't want to talk about, right? <clears throat> so I could make, Aaron, Aaron made the, the, um, uh, the sloppy joes and I made the mac and cheese and made that meal, but Michael decided he didn't want to eat it. He just wanted to eat part of it. It's the same way with a lot of the things that we bring to you, that I bring to you here on Sunday morning. I can make this, I can prepare, I can do everything I need to do to bring the meal to you, but it's up to you whether you choose to consume it or not. Okay? So, when we come to this part, when it comes to these different areas, it's up to you. I can't make you consume this. But it's my passion to at least bring to you what the Bible teaches about the different topics and about our faith. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, In all my years of service to my Lord, I have discovered a truth that has never failed, that has never been compromised. That truth is that it is beyond the realm of possibilities that one has the ability to outgive God. Even if I give the whole of my worth to him, he will find a way to give it back to me much more than I gave. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, uh, those of us who went to Bible college uh, and went to seminary, we, he's, he's commonly known as the Prince of Preachers, C.H. Spurgeon. And he, through all the experience of his life of preaching and living, and, and discipling and mentoring and raising people up in the faith and, and seeing everything that happened in the lives of followers of Jesus came to this conclusion. You can never outgive God. You just can't outgive God. Because as you give, God will give back to you in greater abundance. Now, Everybody says, oh, it's a, it's, it's a scam to get me to give so God, I can make more money in the... That's not... Listen, stop equating blessings with finances. God can bless you with finances, but blessings aren't always financial. Okay, many times God will bless us in different ways. So you need a reason that's bigger than you. Jesus tells us a little farther along in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Here's the, here's the punchline. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's what he's trying to teach you. He's not trying to say, hey, you know, I want your money. I want your money. I want your money. That's not what he's trying to say. And that's not what I'm trying to say. What he's trying to say is you need to get your priorities straight. You need to see finances the same way you see as reading your Bible, the same way as you see praying, the same way you see as reaching out and, and sharing your faith with others. It's important that you have a biblical perspective. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. And where your heart is going to be is where you're going to invest your life. You need to find your purpose for giving. Let me, let me make it more personal to you and to new life. You need to find your purpose 
for giving financially to this local church, to supporting this local church. And I know many of us are in tough spots right now. We're in tough places. And, and many of us are battling with the uncertainty of the financial market. I, I feel it, man. I feel you. I feel the same way. I, I will. <laughs> I'll put another blanket on before I'll turn the heat on right now. Because I have electric heat. Yeah, I have electric heat, man. And I, you, you can just you might as well just open up your wallet and let them vacuum it out, right? <clears throat> I have a pallet full of pellets sitting in my driveway that are going to feed that pellet stove so that I don't have to turn that therm the, the heating on. I know what it's like. I know what it's like. I've shared with you our, our, uh, the value of our home during a pandemic. How did, how, I'd, I'd love for somebody to explain this to me, how during a pandemic my house can double in, almost double in value. During a pandemic, man. What in the world? Well, Along with value of my house, my taxes went up. I get it. But I am convinced in my soul, I am convinced in the depth of my spirit that I cannot outgive God. And that if I'm going to cut my budget somewhere, it's going to be somewhere else, not my giving to the church. The electric, listen, follow my logic here. The electric company doesn't promise to bless me if I pay my bill. Big Y doesn't promise to bless me if I buy my groceries there. But God promises to bless me if I financially support the kingdom of God with a pure and honest heart. We'll talk about that. First Kings 18 through 21 says, Elijah approached all the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. The sad part of that verse is the end where it says, but the people didn't answer him a word. You see, we are, we are coming to a point, of, a point of decision where we have to make a decision. What are we going to do? And it's not, listen, let's not, bring it, let's not break it down to, are you going to give money to the church or not? Let's break it down to this. Are you going to trust God or not? Are you going to trust God or not? A few weeks ago, my father preached. Did a great job. Did a great job. I was amazed. It was just cool. Quite frankly, I was amazed that my dad had the strength to preach that message. He preached a solid message, man. An outstanding message. I'll tell you what. If I sat you down with my mother and my father and had them talk to you about what it means to walk with Jesus in your finances. Not just in your Bible reading, not in your time, but have an honest, honest conversation with them about what it means to walk with Jesus in your finances. I can tell you that they would be passionate about the fact that you cannot outgive God. And God will always bless you for what you do. And I'll tell you what, I can... I can bring you to a lot of other people who have gotten this, this area straight in their lives and said, come flood or fire or famine, I will continue 
to support the kingdom work of Jesus Christ through my local church financially, no matter what. That's the determination I've made. My wife and I, we've made that determination together. Because I want to live in God's covering. I want to live in God's blessing. I want to live in God's favor. And he promises me that if I trust him with something as scary as finances, in a time where inflation is out of listen, red, blue, D, R, I don't really care what, where you are politically. I don't really, I don't care, man. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Inflation's crazy. Prices are crazy. Things are going out of control. And they're only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. And I believe in the prophecies of the Bible that say, in the end times, which I believe we're in, it's only going to get worse. If it's only going to get worse and it's prophesied and we see it in the Bible, why wouldn't I want to trust God more? Why wouldn't I want Him to have first place in everything, especially my finances? There must be a compelling reason for you to get involved with giving. Psalm 126, verse 6, David writes to us, those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow. The old King James says, bearing precious seed. I love that. He that goes forth and weeps, bearing precious seed, will doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Listen, no matter what you do for the kingdom of God, whether it's sharing your faith, whether it's investing your time in ministry, whether it's investing your uh, time in raising your children in a godly way, or whether it's investing your finances in the kingdom work of God, the Bible tells us clearly, if you go with the right attitude and give with the right attitude, there will be no doubt, no doubt that God will bless you. So what is your purpose for giving? Some people give and they give for the wrong reasons. You wonder why God, I, I've talked to people, God never blesses me. Well, you know why? Because you're not doing it the right way. Listen, man, I'll tell you what. How many, I just take a quick straw poll here. How many of you love absolutely love getting your pay stub at the end of the week, every two weeks or a month. And you absolutely love seeing how much money the government takes out of your check. Oh my goodness. I, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see how much money I worked hard for so that the government can take it from me. I, I, quite frankly, I love going to the gas station and play, paying huge amounts, and knowing that a large percentage of that goes to taxes. Oh, just love it. Love it. Come on, we don't love that. Nobody loves that. I'll be honest with you. I don't have a happy heart about paying my taxes. Don't have a happy heart about paying my electric bill. Don't have a happy heart about... Listen, I, when I bought the house, it had solar panels on it. I have to pay the solar company every month for the privilege of producing solar power. Now, it cuts my electric bill, but I still have to pay. It's a lease. I couldn't, I didn't, I couldn't buy the house without picking up the lease. So I don't like that. I don't like seeing that, state, that, that entry on my statement saying, paid your solar bill. I'm thankful for it, thankful that it saves me, but I'm not happy about this. 
what I'm trying to say is there are times when we can do things, we can, we, we can do things for the, with the wrong intent or with not a, a purposeful intent that is beneficial. Same thing with giving. A lot of people give to church for a couple different reasons. Some people, check this out, some people give to church to gain power or influence. They give their finances to church to gain power or influence. This may shock you, but you can ask my father this. Years ago, we had a man that tried to launder money through our church. Hey, that would have been special. Seriously, tried to launder money through our church. I'll give you this much to pay for this, but then you write me a check for so much. Dude, what are we, like, the casino? Come on, man. That's not, that's not the way it works, okay? By the way, I don't want to sell, cellmate, okay? I don't want to go to prison. We're not going to do that. Well, other people, uh, over the course of time, many of you have been in churches where people think that they have the right to make decisions because of how much money they give. That is the exact reason why I don't touch the books. It's the exact reason why I don't know who gives what. If you're trying to impress me with your giving, you're barking up the wrong tree because I don't know who gives what. I know what I give. I don't know who gives what. Don't want to know. The Bible tells me to see everybody as equal. And I'm human. If I, I, I'm human, I, it may sway me in some way. And I don't want that temptation. So some people give for power or influence. Some people, they give because they do think it's a path to wealth. They've bought into the, 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 the financial um, God is your ATM mentality. That you give and God's going to. He, God's got your new house waiting for you. All you have to do is send in the, the seed money. Come on, man. That's not what it's about. Some people... They do give out of guilt or obligation because they're terrified that if they don't give, then they're not going to be blessed. Some people do have the right mentality. They give for blessing and God's kingdom. Jim Elliott put it this way, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Someone gives what they can't keep. And it, listen, if your 401k is any indication, you can't keep finances. You are at the mercy and the whim of the stock market. So what are some biblical reasons for giving financially to your local church? Perhaps if we find out what the Bible has to say, then we can find our reason for getting involved. The first reason is this, because it honors God. Giving financially to your local church honors God. If you want to honor God, if you sing these songs with us on Sunday morning, and you mean them in your heart. And I want to, uh, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And, and uh, I, I want to honor God with my life, with my, everything I do. And giving has to be a part of that. By the way, notice we haven't talked about any amounts or percentages, right? I'm not going to talk about that. Proverbs 3 verses 9 and 10 say, Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Your rewards are not determined 
on your success. As a, as a Christian, you're, you're, you're not going to be rewarded more because, uh, because of your... Listen, if, we had, if everybody had a Sunday school class and somebody had a bigger Sunday school class than somebody else, that's not the determination of your reward. Of your reward. God doesn't determine your perceived success and bless you because of that. Your rewards are not determined by this church's success. Right? You give financially to the church, and the church still does it. We don't become a megachurch. Listen, your rewards are not determined by the success of this church. Your reward, blessing, and standing with God are determined by your faithfulness. That's what determines your reward with God. Your faithfulness. That includes your money and how you support God's kingdom through your local church. Ed Cole said this, after giving something to God, you are no longer accountable for it. Your blessing is based on your giving, not on what others do with your gift. Now, I know there are some, some churches, some pastors that say, you give us the money and we'll take care of it. You, don't, you have nothing to say about where the money goes. We're not like that here. We have business meetings and we, there are limits on me, on what I can buy, what I can spend. There are limits and we have to have, um, we have, to have meetings over certain things. Our constitution is there. And, and so, so that's not the way we approach things here. Just understand that once you give with a pure heart to the work of the kingdom of God, God is going to bless you on your act of giving. God is going to bless you on your attitude towards giving. It's not going to bless you on whether or not the church invested that in a mutual fund and doubled the money. God is going to bless you on your personal faithfulness. 2 Corinthians 9 verses 6 and 7 say this, the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give because you, you, you feel you're obligated. Don't give because you are afraid that God's not going to bless you. Give because you cheerfully want to support the ministry of Jesus Christ and you want to live in God's blessing. I don't think that's a wrong reason at all. If it was bad to want God's blessing, why would he tell us it's there for us? Just determined to give and be a giver. Richard Bronstein said, it's possible to give without loving, but it's impossible to love without giving. I believe you should want to give to make a difference. Francis Chan said, downsizing so that others may upgrade is biblical, beautiful, and nearly unheard of. Giving of yourself, giving of your time, giving of your treasure so that others might be benefited for the kingdom of God. And that's a beautiful thing. Giving of your time, giving of your breath, your voice to tell people about Jesus Christ. The Bible says how beautiful are the, on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Oh man, it's beautiful when you give to God in any way. Deuteronomy 15 says, give to him and don't have a stingy heart when you give. And because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and everything you do. Why else? What else is a biblical reason for giving? 
Because it's the obedient thing to do. It's the obedient thing to do. Uh Uh-oh. He's going to bring that Malachi verse up, right? Malachi 3, verses 8 through 10. Now this gets tough, man. This is one of those tough ones, right? Because it says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. That's pretty blunt. How do we rob you, you ask, by not making the payments of the tenth and the contributions? See, if you say, I don't believe in tithing, it also adds in there the contributions, so you're covered. Okay? You are suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tithe. Here's God's, here's one of God's main purposes, main reasons for you giving of your finances to your local church. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse. The storehouse is the church so that there may be food in my house, the house of God. Test me in this way. Listen to this, man. He doesn't just say, bring it in so the pastor can get rich. Bring it in so you can have nice things in the church. Bring it. He says, bring it in for a purpose. The food is the word of God and we've got a ministry here that's trying to reach the most unreached place in the country. Remember, that's the reason. Because people in our area are lost and dying and on their way to hell. They don't know Jesus Christ in a personal way. Many of them have never heard the gospel. And yet we're quibbling about whether or not we should give financially to support the ministry that will send the gospel to them. Well, how does my giving send that? Listen, man, we got a whole team back there that works to put this out on the internet. We have people that watch us throughout the week. Our associate pastor, Zach, can give you statistics about that. We have things go on throughout the Bible studies throughout the week. Like I said, we have, we have activities for the youth. We're expanding our children's ministry again after COVID. Be patient with us, by the way. We're trying to find the right stride after COVID to, to make sure that we don't turn people away, but we get people motivated to come in, right? All of that is not so that we can be the social calendar for your family. All of that is so that we can help you and your family grow in faith and give you, get you stronger in faith so you can go out with confidence and live a life of a believer that helps other people see Jesus and you can get the opportunity to share with them. Man, that's what this is about. When you give, you bring in, you, when you give your finances to support this church, you're supporting the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. Man, we're, we don't have church cars. Nobody who drives a church car here. I don't have a church gas card. We don't do those things, and we won't do those things here. We're just not going to do it. Why? Because the money people put in the offering plate or give electronically here is holy money to God. And I would not show such disrespect to the teachings of the scriptures or to your gift as to flitter it away on something frivolous. And yes, some of these things that churches do are frivolous. And the money that is given here is given and used 
with the intention of providing a place for us to worship and grow in our faith so that we can go out there into the darkest area of this country and tell people about Jesus. You realize, folks, people here have moved beyond God. Some of you, are, some of you have gone through divorce in your life. Your ex has moved beyond you. They don't even think about you anymore, right? Or if they do, it's not with a happy attitude, right? There's usually some colorful language before your name, right? That's the attitude that our, many in our region have towards God. I don't understand it. But that's where we find ourselves. So we can quibble over whether we think it's right or not, or percentages, and this and that and the other thing. The fact of the matter is, people right next door to us, people, you, I, I'll say this, I said this, and young, the younger generation was like, where did you come up with that? I didn't come up with that. He was pretty popular when I was a kid. You cannot swing a dead cat in this area, right? Without finding a, a household that doesn't know Jesus Christ. It's the truth. He goes on at the end of Malachi and says, See, God says, test me in this way. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates of hell. Oh my gosh. See, that's the, that's the secret in the sauce right there. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. You measure how much you give, right? I do. I do. I do have bills to pay. I've got a mortgage to pay. I've got gas to put in the car. I've got food to buy. So yeah, I have to sit down and budget and I have to sit down and figure out, okay, where do I start? Pray about it. Hey God, what what can I afford to give? And what are you wanting me to give to support? And what can I do? How much can I give to show that I have faith in you? For me, it is a tithe. It is a tenth and beyond, okay? For you, it may not be, but for me, it is, all right? I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when I do that with a good heart, with a happy heart, a smiling face, knowing that it's going for the right motives and purpose in the kingdom of God, I believe with all my heart, God is cranking open those windows. I don't know if God has a, remember those old cranks on the windows when you were a kid? Some, the, the knucklehead kid in the, in the neighborhood always ran around the house and ran into it with his head, right? Somebody always did that, right? Yep, Brian Whitaker, go figure. Right? Maybe, maybe God's talking about the sliding window, the windows that slide. Maybe, maybe Anderson has the contract with heaven's windows. I don't know. But God says, test me, man. Test me. Test me. And I'll prove myself to you. I'll open the windows of heaven. Man, you'll see blessings that you couldn't imagine. I see those blessings. I, I told you I went to, to Big Y, the Big Y gas station. Uh, and that's where we shop, big Y. And man, in this day and age, it asked me, do, I, do you want a dollar, do you want to save a dollar ten on these on this fill-up per gallon? Oh yeah. Of course I do. 20 gallons of gas at a dollar ten a gallon. Quick math says I saved about $22 on that fill-up. $22. 
Man, the windows of heaven are opening up. God's pouring out blessings. I can use that $22. I got five kids that like to eat. I have, I have a, a son who, uh, an old grown son who, by the way, he'll be 39 tomorrow. Yes, Zach's birthday tomorrow, 39 years old. Oh, <laughs> I know, I know. You're saying, you're saying, geez, Pastor John, is that all? You've only got a kid 39? Yeah, man, 39. Zach will be 39. Didn't want me to say that, but I did. 39. And he still likes Dodgers hats, so. I got six grandkids, man. So I love it when God blesses. But in order to get the blessing chain going, I have to do my part. You see, we want to live in God's blessing. We want to live in God's favor. But we don't want to do our part. You got to do your part. Quickly. We should give because it's the right thing to do. Very quickly. Corey Ten Boom said, the measure of a life, it's not its duration, but its donation. The story of the widow's might, you know that story, right? Jesus was sitting across from the treasury and these cats were coming in and they were dropping bags of money. They were showing off how much money they were given. And they were giving, I mean, they were giving loads of money. They were just dropping in bags of gold. And this widow came up and she just kind of snuck up and she had a mite, which is like a tenth of a penny or an eighth of a penny. And she dropped it in. Some of you say, well, my giving won't matter. My $5 doesn't matter. My $10 doesn't matter. Everything matters in God's economy. And this story, man, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, you see that? You see that? That woman just gave more than everybody. Because these people gave out of their abundance. She gave out of her lack. They gave to show off. She gave everything she had. And because of that, she's going to be blessed. Listen, man, if you think I'm real comfortable talking about money, you got another thought coming. I'm not. This is a battle I fight when I have to preach these series. Because I don't like it. Because at a point, somebody's always going to say it's self-serving because I draw a salary from the church. And what you give goes to pay. Elephant in the room, right? What you give goes to paying my salary. So people are going to say, oh, you're self-serving. That's all right. It's all right. I got no problem going and getting another job. I'll go drive a school bus. I'll do it. I, listen, I've done that all my life. I've, done, I've, I've been bivocational. I got no problem with that. None whatsoever. Meeting my needs is my responsibility that I've given to God. So if, if you don't want to pay me a salary, if that's the hang-up that this church has, if that's a hang-up you have with giving, just tell me. You don't have to pay me. I'll do this for free. I did it for a long time for nothing. No problem. No problem. Don't let me be a stumbling block for you give, giving. Okay? Don't use me as your excuse. All I'm saying is this. We need to get right on this topic. We need to get right on this teaching. And at least go to God and say, what is it that you want me to do? 
If you want to grow in the area of faith giving, something or someone, an event or an opportunity will motivate you to take the action and start functionally giving. That is your moment of motivation. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being here today. The privilege of looking into your word and sharing your word and sharing your truth. Lord, not everything is easy. As the saying goes, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Yet, Lord, you call us to deeper things and more difficult things. Father, I pray that your word will find fertile soil, good ground, and may it bring forth fruit. Would you bless us the rest of this day? Bless us this week, God. May we walk through every open door and find the reason <clears throat> to serve you. In your name we pray.